بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا ٹوینٹی فورتھ آف سپٹمبر ان دا ٹو تھاؤزینڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی So inshallah today, going through up to and including verse 27. So verse 26, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajeem, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. He alayhi salatu wa salam said, O oh my Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, help me, for they accuse me of falsehood. So here Allah Ta'ala mentions the dua, one of the duas that Nuh alayhi salatu wa salam made, And he said that they are now accusing me of falsehood. I need your help. Verse 27. So we reveal to him, construct the ark within our sight and under our guidance. Then when comes our command and that the nur gush forth, take you on board a pair of every species, male and female, and your family, except those of them against whom the word has already gone forth and address me not in favor of the oppressors for they shall be drowned so this verse is very comprehensive allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first mentions the command now that he should build the ark so there's another passage in surah 11 verse 36 and 7 In Surah Hud alayhi salatu wa salam, verse 36 and 7, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, It was revealed to Nuh alayhi salatu wa salam, None of your people will believe, except those who have believed already. So grieve no longer over their deeds. So what is this in reference to? So this is in reference to uh, the dua of Nuh alayhi salatu wa salam. I Surah 71 verse 26 So in Surah Nuh Surah 71 verse 26 The dua that Nuh alayhi salatu wa salam He makes He says Rabbi la tadhar ala al-ardi min al-kafirin adayyara Oh my Lord Leave not of the unbelievers A single one on the earth Verse 27, For if you leave any of them, they will mislead your servants, and they will breed none but the criminals, unbelievers. So, three duas he makes. He goes, help me. I in Surah Mu'minun. Here he says, destroy the unbelievers. Don't leave a single one on the earth. And then he says, if you do, They will do nothing but cause your servants, either Muslims, to be misguided. And also, they will only breed kuffar. So think about that. How did he know that? How did he know that literally none of them are going to embrace Islam now? And even their children that they breed will become kafirs. Allah Ta'ala then responded to that here in verse 36 Surah Hud. It was revealed to Nuh, none of your people will believe. So Allah Ta'ala confirmed that. 
So what does that tell you about the judgment of Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam? Allah Ta'ala could have said to him, for instance, if you had just held on a short while, another person would have embraced Islam. Allah Ta'ala confirmed that his du'a was perfect. In other words, you waited all these centuries and now you've made this du'a and of course he grieved. But Allah Ta'ala was telling him, don't grieve. He says in verse 36, فَلَا تَبْتَبِسْ Do not grieve over their evil deeds. So this shows the perfection of the du'a of Nuh So there's a few things mentioned here. So first of all, it mentions. So this is recorded in Ibn Asakir on Siraj uh, al-Murir by Shaykh Mawlana Muhammad Abdul Rahman Mazhi, volume 1, page 114. Some scholars, based upon the hadith of Ibn Asakir, they state that the people of Nuh did not have children 40 years before the flood. Therefore, whoever was alive when the flood occurred was of age and could decide between belief and unbelief. No children had to suffer any consequences of the flood. So this is fascinating. Question goes to the mind. If the flood came, then there's going to be innocent ones, i.e. the children. According to this hadith, there was no children. So a person goes, how can there be no children? Because 40 years prior to the flood, there was no children. Allah Ta'ala stopped them from having any children. And all those who were alive were now balikh, meaning they're now responsible. And that also indicates their time of maturity was 40, <coughs> not 30, because of the age, uh, the age that, the, that they would live. So this explains a very important principle, Allah Ta'ala protected the the ma'asum i.e. from being punished I'm going back to the verse i.e. Surah 11 verse 36 so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he mentions that he makes a dua now when this dua came there's a report So, it mentions in Ibn Abi Dunya, in his Al-Uqubat, Perish Nations, number 81, who made Ibn Hilal, rahmatullah, he said, when disobedience was rampant during the time of Nuh, even the creation was showing anger at the children of Adam, to the extent that even a small ant complained and it said, O Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, give me authority over these people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked the ant, what will you do with them? The ant answered, I shall enter their ears. So here in this report from the Salaf, it mentions that everything is now fed up with the unbelievers, even the ant. And what can an ant do to a human being? So Allah Ta'ala asked, what will you do? He goes, I will go in their ears. I will take them out. And this indicates that one of the ways that ants punish the humans are to enter their ears, which is mentioned here. So note, it wasn't just Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam, it was the creation around also 
experiencing this. And also, the command was to build the ark. So there's a report. In Ibn Jarir and Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah, our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nuh lived with his people a thousand years minus 50. For a hundred years, he was planting trees. When they grew and were quite large, he cut them and started building the ark. So what very important detail is mentioned here. The trees were grown from scratch. They weren't there. So why didn't Allah Ta'ala use the trees there? Why did he ask him to plant the seeds? So the scholars highlight, it was to highlight the evil of his people. That even after the hundred years, they're still denying him, proving the words of Allah Ta'ala and his messenger. And then he starts cutting those trees. So imagine, a century passes, the trees have grown, he's now cutting those trees. What details have we got about the ark? There's an interesting verse in Surah 54 verse 13. In Surah 54 verse 13, Surah Kamar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there, And we bore him on an ark made of broad planks and dusur. In Qurtubi Ibn Jarir Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Ibn Abbas radiallahu, he said, he recited this verse, he said, Dusur means nails. Dusur means nails. So planks and nails. So nails are ancient. Nuh used them right, to build the ark. So he literally used wood and he used nails. And the Quran mentions this explicitly. And in verse 37 of Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Construct the ark under our eyes and our revelation and address me no further on behalf of those who are in sin. For they are about to be overwhelmed in the flood. So again and again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the ark is cre- uh, designed by revelation. So Allah ta'ala was inspiring Nuh He didn't just, you know, suddenly wake up and know how to build a ship. Allah ta'ala was giving him revelation. And Allah ta'ala warned him again and again. He goes, do not ask about anybody now. He goes, and this was a hint to him that he's going to do it. And of course, the ones who, the one he that he kind of supplicated for was his son. Nuh, um, and of course there was a rebuke for that, a mild rebuke. So going back to the verse, verse 27, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We reveal to him, construct the ark within our sight and under our guidance. Then when comes our command and the tanur goes forth. So now what's the tanur? So tanur in Urdu and in Pushto means an oven. Tanur. So does it mean that? So there's a report. So this is again in the work by Mulana Abdul Rahman Mazhari, Siraj and Munir, Lanterns of Guidance, Volume 1, page 96. He states, before the floods arrived, Nuh was informed that a sign would arrive to signal the event. The sign was that water would start to flow from people's ovens in their homes. When this happened, 
Nuh was able to board the ark together with the believers and a pair of uh, the animal life. So what was the signal to him? Now it's time to board the ark. Don't forget there's no water. You're boarding on a dry ark with the animals. And it was water coming out of people's ovens. Look how strange that is. Water started coming out of people's ovens. Obviously the ovens being very primitive in those days. And that was the sign, now get onto the ark. So this is one thing mentioned. And then he mentions, take on board a pair of every species, male and female. So now again, <coughs> going to Surah 11 verse 40. Surah Hud verse 40. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says there, Until behold, there came our command, and the tanur, and the tanur goes forth. We said, embark you of each kind, two, male and female, and your family, except those against whom the word has already gone forth, and the believers, but only a few believed in him. So here, the Tannur. So in Ma'arif al-Quran, volume 4, page 631 of the English translation, many of the Salaf, um, Hassan al-Basri, Mujahid, Sha'bi, Abdullah ibn Abbas, and many others, radiyallahu ta'anhum, they said the Nur was located in Kufa. And that was what it means. Most commentators mentioned this. So where was the Adi he was? He was in Iraq. So this is interesting. You know, where was Nur? According to most of the commentators, it was in Kufa. Now what's interesting about that? A person could query this. Because Kufa was built by Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Where was Kufa? So the response to that was, it was the same location. You understand? So maybe, you know, the, it was built again by Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. I when uh, he triumphantly took out the Persian forces. So that is where Nuh was. Sha'abi rahmatullah he said, this is in Qurtubi and Tafsir Mazhiri Ma'arif al-Quran. He said an oath. This Tannur is located in a secluded quarter in the city of Kufa. And Nuh had built his ark in the masjid of Kufa. So what's interesting? Nuh resided in Kufa. It was a secluded part. And the ark was actually later built in the masjid of Kufa. So where Ali would lead the place when he turned the capital to Kufa. Then it mentions in the same references, this Tannur was right by the entrance of the masjid. <laughs> so when you enter the masjid of Kufa, that is where the Tannur was of Nuh Abdullah ibn Abbas said that Allah the Almighty informed Nuh when you see water overflowing from the oven in your dwelling, know that the flood is coming. So the first oven which overflowed with water was Nuh And where was it? In the entrance of Masjid al-Kufa. And also, Ma'arif <coughs> al-Quran, uh, volume 4, page 62 of the English translation, Sha'bi rahmatullah said, This grand Masjid of Kufa has its own distinct status after Masjid al-Haram, Masjid al-Nabawi, and Masjid al-Aqsa. 
So Imam Sha'abi, who lived in Kufa, was a great, you know, Assyria um, Tabi'i. He said Masjid al-Kufa has a special place. And not many people are aware of that. Unfortunately, now the Rawafid have taken over. Right? So, God help us. So, this is I, the location mentioned here. Another question people pose, the flood. Was the flood universal or was it regional? So, the Quran doesn't mention that. The Bible said the whole world was flooded. So, what we can say with certainty is the area where humans resided in the world, that was flooded. There was no point, for instance, flooding America. There was no, there was no humans there. There was no humans in Australia. Humankind was wiped out. They were located in this area. And that was interesting. In the Atlas of the Quran, by Sheikh Shoki Abu Khalil, he states, page 39, almost all the news agencies through satellites reported on Wednesday, September the 13th, 2000, the following, quoting, whole cities have been discovered at the bottom of the Black Sea. The team of scientists who discovered these cities said, this proves the flood that was mentioned in the holy books. The BBC in London broadcast this news on Thursday the 14th of September 2000 in the program The World This Morning after TV channel broadcast the news the night before. Were you aware of that? Why? Because I'm not going to tell you whether the revelation is true. So where's the Black Sea? They found cities in the Black Sea. And the Black Sea is, if you go to the north of the Hejaz, you, it's basically Central Asia, you know, the Middle Earth, Armenia, Azerbaijan area. The Black Sea is there. They found cities under the Black Sea. And what did the scientists say? They're not Muslims. Maybe they're not even Christians. They said, this proves the flood that is mentioned in the Holy Book. <coughs> so we can safely say the flood also went to that area. So look how interesting. You've got geography here. It's basically central, central, the center of the world. Central Asia. That's the area that got flooded. And what's interesting, from the reports, the Kaaba, Makkah, Arabia was flooded. Why? Because the Kaaba was lifted. The ark was doing tawaf around the Kaaba. So we can safely say there was a there was a monumental flood. But to go to the extent of being worldwide, we need proof for that. And Revelation doesn't mention that. Only the Bible. Of course, we can't you know trust the Bible because there's been temptations taking place. Another meaning of the nur, which is mentioned in Ibn Jarir Ibn Kathir's tafsir, Abdullah Ibn Abbas he recited nur. He said it means the face of the earth. It means the face of the earth, meaning that it also came from under the earth. So when you think of a flood, you usually think rain. <laughs> but actually the, the flood started from the earth. So how strange is that? So because there's been a flood. Where did it start? Started in the earth. What are you talking about? Well, that was the uniqueness of the flood. It actually came from underneath the earth, the ovens. So it was a miraculous sign. Other details are mentioned. So, there's a report. So this is recorded 
in Nasai, Abu Dawood, number 5,263, number 1,485, Mishkat, number 4,137, Tarheeb, number 2,634. Abu Layla, he relates, that Rasulullah said, when a snake is seen in the dwelling, say to it, we ask you, by the covenant made with Nuh, and the covenant made with Suleiman ibn Dawood, do not harm us. If it comes back, kill it. So let's look at it. So this is an authentic hadith in the sunnah. So what is the Prophet referring to? He's referring to a snake in the dwelling. This is probably a jinn. So he gave you a command. But what's relevant to our discussion is, what are we supposed to say to that snake? We say to the snake, uh, to the snake, فَقُولُ لَهَا إِنَّا نَسْأَلُكَ بِأَحْدِ نُوحٍ وَبِأَحْدِ سُلَيْمَانِ بْنِ دَاوُودِ We ask you by the covenant made with Nuh and the covenant made with Suleiman. Do not harm us. So what's this covenant? So a covenant means you take an oath. So the Prophet is telling you that before the snake boarded the ark, Nuh warned it. He goes, Give me your word, you won't harm the residents. <laughs> and the snake gave his word. What does that tell you about Nuh? We learn something else. He can talk to animals. What does it mean, Suleiman? What was the covenant of Suleiman? He could talk to animals. And he warned the snakes because they were under his charge as well. Do not harm the Muslims. So, look how interesting. We've got another detail. There was a pair of snakes that entered the ark. But before they entered, unlike the other animals, you stopped them. And we are supposed to say the same to a snake in our dwelling. But we don't know left from right. So in Mazari Ihaq, it mentions, Nuh got an assurance from the snakes when he had taken them on the ark that they would not hurt anyone. Also, there's another report here. So this narration, is in Abu Dawood number 5248 and Mishkat number 4139. Abu Huraira, radiallahu. He relates that our beloved Messenger We have not made peace with snakes ever since we began to fight with them. Hence, if anyone spares any of them because of fear, Falaysa minna, he does not belong to us. So now the Prophet's mentioning something else, even more in history, sallallahu alayhi wa Because we've never had peace with because we've never been at ease with them since we fought them. Now if you fear them, the Prophet goes, you don't belong to me. So let me ask you a question, how much of the Ummah fears snakes? <laughs> so in Mazari Ihaq, the commentary, it mentions, the scholars, they say, this fight and enmity dates back <laughs> to the time of Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam, and the snake. When the accursed Iblis decided to enter paradise to entice Adam, he was prevented by Ridwan, the gatekeeper. So the snake came to the aid of Iblis. It took him in its mouth and conveyed him into paradise. There Iblis sprung the trap. Consequently, everyone was expelled from paradise. Allah the Almighty told the meaning Adam and Hawa, Iblis and the snake, All of you descend with enmity between yourselves. Surah 2 verse 36. 
It is said that the snake used to be extremely handsome and beautiful. When he became a tool in the hands of Iblis, his appearance transformed. Thus the snake des deserves to be despised and antagonized. So the snake's history is, a, is, a, is an evil one. He used to be an animal of paradise. And what's interesting, <laughs> these evolutionists, you know, they're, they're going backwards. Because the snake has evolved. How has he evolved? He's lost his legs. <laughs> you don't lose your legs and evolve. And they even say there's this appendages, they, but they keep very quiet about it. They go, the, the snakes used to have appendages. How does that fit into evolution? So that allows this story evolution with the snake. We say, look, this was a noble creature, beautiful creature. But because it disobeyed, Allah transformed it. And what does the Quran explicitly state? All of you descend with enmity between yourselves. So note this history with the snakes. Did they cause mischief on the ark? I don't know. But I won't put it past them. I did hear in one talk many years ago that the snake, as it got off the ark, it bit. So he kept his word. As soon as he got off, he bit something. Meaning, it, you know, it was he wanted to cause mischief. Another thing about the ark, which is important to highlight, which animals came onto the ark? So there's a famous, I don't know what you call it, a line. The animals went in two by two. Hola, hola. So this is the, in reference to this. We believe that. But we have no details with regards to how many animals entered the ark. So we don't start saying, you know, top of our head. Yeah, it was everything. You know, it was worms. It was scorpions. Where does it say that? So you're just making things up. So the Quran mentions there was a pair of the species. It doesn't mention every species. So logically, the scholars point out it was to do with the ecosystem of the area. Wherever the flood was going to destroy, the ecology was going to be destroyed. Animals are interdependent upon each other. So Allah put all of the ones that were necessary to keep the ecology in place onto the ark. But the scholars point out, Allah knows best. That seems to make sense. How on earth did Nuh do it? The Hadith mentioned that Jibreel helped him. So we don't start saying that Nuh is going running to find a lion, to find an antelope. Allah told Jibreel to help with the angels. So it was very easy. So they were probably entering the ark with the command of the angels. But there is a report in Ibn Abi Hatim and Al Bidayah. And this is a Mursal report, a Tabir relates from the Prophet. When Nuh took a pair of the animals with him on the ship, on the ark, the people said, How can we be sure that the animals will survive when we have lions with them? So stop in the report. Now we know there's a lion on the ark. You can say that. So the people were thinking lions are ferocious, the kings of the jungle. He goes, How will the other animals survive? Then Allah the Almighty made the lion suffer from a fever. <laughs> he made him numb. This was the first fever that affected anybody on the earth. It was a lion. Then the people complained about the food stuff. Because our food, the little rations we've got. He goes, the rats maybe will get to them. So now we know there's rats on the, on the ark. Then Allah the Almighty made the lion who was ill to sneeze. And it was interesting, when you have a fever, you do sneeze. 
and miraculously when it sneezed, a cat emerged from it, which kept the rats under control. So now what's interesting, how can a cat come from a sneeze? So you're missing the point. Everything about this whole narrative is miraculous. How are animals on the ark? Right? So we don't start using logic. So like you'll get some people saying, oh, what this means is that the DNA of the lion, it was the cat comes from the DNA. It doesn't say that, does it? It says sneeze. Right? So we accept that. And the cat does resemble the lion. It's a small lion. You know, you know it's cats. You know, it's a smaller version of a lion. And what do the cats do? They kept the rats under control. The rats were causing havoc. The other thing about the ark, which is important, there was levels. So the humans were on one level, the companions, and then you got the animals, different animals on different levels. So it's not just they were all on you know, one same level on the ark. And the ark was under the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It wasn't just floating about anywhere. They had control over it, as they say. And just to add this to finish, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah 11 verse 40, and your family will board the ark except those against whom the word has gone forth. So which two family members of Nuh were unbelievers? His wife and his son. It's mentioned in Surah Tahrim. So Allah says they will not be saved. I said your family, they won't be. And of course there's an interesting narrative or it's not relevant about the son. Then it says only a few believed in him. وَمَا أَمَّنَعْ مَعَهُ إِلَّا قَلِيلٌ Surah 11 verse 40 How many believe in him? In Ibn Jalil, Ibn Kathir, Hakim and his Mustadrak, Sahih Ibn Abbas said there were only 80 people including their women that believed in him. That's it. There were only 80 people including their women who believed in him. So think about that. 950 years, 80 sahab. And this is leaving, of course, his family as well who believed. So... Was he a failure? Of course he wasn't. So are we interested in the numbers? Not bothered. If you play, if you play the numbers game, Da'is are better than Nuh. Are you going to say that? Right? Oh, what do you mean? So what do you mean then? So we're not bothered about numbers. The job is to pass the message. And you pass the message on, you whether you believe or not. Don't give up monkeys. Right? If you believe, it's to your benefit. If you don't, it's to your loss. And we learn that also from the narrative of Nuh so going to the verse to finish. Surah 23, verse 27. The whole verse now will make more sense. We reveal to him, construct the ark within our sight, under our guidance. Then when comes our command, <coughs> and that the nur gushes forth, take on board pairs of every species, male and female, and your family, except those of them against whom the word has already gone forth, and address me not, in favor of the oppressors, for they shall be drowned. So this is why Allah got angry with Nuh He told him, don't ask for, about the oppressors. And of course, his son drowned and he tried to save him. And then he asked Allah, he's my family, oh my Lord. Allah goes, he's not your family. This is not a righteous thing. And then Nuh asked forgiveness and Allah obviously honored him. But the narrative continues, but we'll go through that next week, inshallah. So I'll recite the verses. And we'll come. Audhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Qala rabbin surni bima kazzaboon. 
فأوحينا إليه أن نصنع الفلك بأعيننا ووحينا فإذا جاء أمرنا وفارت النور فاسلك فيها من كل زوجين اثنين وأحلق إلا من سبق عليه القول منهم ولا تخاطبني في الذين ظلموا إنهم مغرقون We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently ordered. Subhanahu wa bihamdi ismanika Allahumma bihamdika ashu la ilahi illa anta astaghfirullah wa atubu alayka wa thibillahi 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 wa